The following podcast contains audio extracted from videos on the Mythology Explained YouTube channel. Please note that there are two narrators for this podcast, myself, Silas, and Zach. Please enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to Mythology Explained. In today's video, we're going to discuss the five most powerful male titans in Greek mythology. We'll make a separate video for female titans later on. Let us know in the comments if you agree with our selection. Let's get into it. Beginning our list is Oceanus. Oceanus was the eldest of the twelve first-generation titans. He personified the river Oceanus, which was the great river that encircled the world. In this way, more so than his eleven siblings, he was similar to his parents, both of them primordial deities. Before Uranus personified the sky, and Gaia the earth. Tethys, his sister, and another of the twelve first-generation titans was his consort, and by her he sired the Oceanids, a group of three thousand water nymphs. Also born to them were all the rivers of the world, which, with the exception of the river Styx, were exclusively male. As well, it was thought that Oceanus was the source from which all the rivers of the world fed and flowed. In appearance, Oceanus is depicted as bearded and mature, with more fantastical versions, including horns and a fishtail. Because the earth was thought to be flat back in the time antiquity, Oceanus, by nature of him being the great river that encircled the earth, was thought of as the outer boundary of the mortal world, thereby becoming a dividing line that separated opposites, known and unknown, what is prosaic and familiar from what is exotic and mysterious, like civilization and charted territory from remote tribes and monsters, even the realms of life and death. The Hesperides, the nymphs who guarded the golden apples gifted to Hera by Gaia, the Gorgons, the Hecatonchires, the hundred-armed giants who helped the gods defeat the Titans, Geryon, a triple-bodied giant killed by Hercules, and the Ethiopians, all of these nymphs, monsters, and people were thought to dwell near the waters of Oceanus, their proximity to him symbolizing the divide he embodied between the realm of mortality and the realm of magic, monsters, and divinity. In one tradition, Helios, the personification of the sun, and Eos, the personification of the dawn, rose up from Oceanus's eastern bank in the morning. Then, after completing their daily arc, setting and sinking into the waters of the west. Oceanus makes for an interesting addition to this list because, without a doubt, he was one of the graces of the Titans. However, he also never tested his might against the gods, choosing to remain a neutral party with his wife instead of bolstering the Titan forces with his strength in the primordial past. At number 2 we have Atlas. Today, Atlas is perhaps best known for his iconography, which consistently shows him bearing the earth on the mantle of his shoulders, even though it is actually the sky, not the earth, he holds up. This unending burden was not something Atlas chose for himself, some sort of constant sacrifice. Rather, it was a perpetual punishment he was condemned to by Zeus, a diabolical consolation prize awarded for challenging the gods and failing to win. Atlas was a formidable force, his prowess as a warrior made him an indomitable opponent on the battlefield, and his sage counsel made him an invaluable addition anytime strategy and tactics were discussed. Born to Iapetus, a first-generation titan, and to Clymene, one of the Oceanids, 
Atlas was younger than many of the other titans he fought side by side with. Regardless, his strength and wisdom were admired, and he rose to become one of the foremost leaders of the titan forces. He was a significant reason the titan war became so intractable and interminable, becoming a war of endurance that lasted ten long, devastating years. His implacability resulted in him being singled out and condemned to hold up the sky for all of eternity, while the rest of the titans who fought against the gods were cast down into the depths of Tartarus. The heavens bearing down on him, he stood near the westernmost shore of the river Oceanus, near the Hesperides and the golden apples they tended. Beyond battling the gods and ending up with the sky bearing down on him like the palm of some cosmic hand trying to flatten him against the earth, perhaps Atlas's most important contribution to Greek mythology comes during Hercules' eleventh labor, which was to retrieve the golden apples of the Hesperides. Atlas offers to fetch the apples for Hercules if he temporarily holds the sky up in his place. Hercules agrees, but once the errand is accomplished, Atlas is loath to resume his post. So Hercules has to trick the Titan, asking him to take the sky back for a moment while he finds something to cushion his shoulders with, then promptly leaving with the apples once the switchback is made. Up next we have Cronus. Cronus is an entry I'm sure everyone guessed would be on this list. He was the youngest of the first generation Titans, but his youth didn't hinder him for he was ambitious and audacious, a combination of traits that would allow him to capitalize on an opportunity to catapult himself to the pinnacle of the cosmic hierarchy. Uranus, the personification of the sky, enveloped Gaia, the personification of the earth, in a constant embrace. Pressed tightly against each other, virtually conjoined at this point, there was no separation between earth and sky, so Gaia's children, while fully grown, couldn't emerge from her, trapped in the earth as they were. She beseeched her children to rise up against their father to free her from her predicament, and of them, it was Cronus who came to his mother's aid. He lay in wait, a sickle of adamant in hand, and he ambushed his father and castrated him, tossing the severed genitals into the sea. In this act, Cronus supplanted his father, becoming the new ruler of the cosmos. Once king, he proved himself no better than his predecessor. Cronus re-imprisoned his older siblings, the trio of Hecatonchores and the trio of Cyclopes, and he took Rhea, his older sister, and another of the twelve first-generation Titans as his consort. Together they had six children, the first generation of Olympians, Hestia, Demeter, Hera, Hades, Poseidon, and Zeus. Cronus learned of a prophecy that foretold his downfall at the hands of one of his children, so in order to forestall such an eventuality, he swallowed each of his children as they were born, trapping them inside himself. However, his preemptive ploy didn't go as planned. Rhea tricked him into swallowing a stone instead of his last child, Zeus, who was whisked away and raised in secret until the bloom of manhood was upon him. Once fully grown, Zeus caused Cronus to disgorge the five children he had swallowed, and out came five gods fully grown as Zeus was. And so, the stage was set for the Titanomachy, the great war between the gods and the titans, the end result of which was the utter defeat of the titans. 
nearly every titan, even Cronus, who fought against the gods was cast down into the dark of Tartarus. At number 4 we have Prometheus. Prometheus certainly doesn't jump to mind when thinking about titans who made the gods tremble. He's not known for his strength or skill as a warrior, and what's more, he betrayed his own kind. Rather than reinforce the titans with his fighting abilities, he decided that the life of a turncoat suited him better, leaving the titans in the lurch, quickly stitching a proverbial patch emblazoned with the emblem of Olympus onto his clothes to crystallize his new loyalty. As we'll see, Prometheus is someone who earned a spot on this list not for his brawn, but for his brains, his intellect and cunning. Prometheus's name means foresight or forethought, and since the gods defeated the titans, since Prometheus wasn't cast down into Tartarus like the rest of his cousins and uncles who fought tooth and nail for supremacy over the cosmos, you could say that Prometheus's actions, in this instance, truly were worthy of his name. What's strange here is that Prometheus, someone who had no qualms about abandoning the titans, self-interest and self-preservation clearly guiding his actions here, proceeds to spend the rest of his days championing the underdog, laying bet after bet on the wrong horse. Here, of course, we're talking about Prometheus's compulsive need to champion humanity and defy Zeus, popping his head into the crosshairs of peril again and again. When the matter of sacrifice was being decided, Prometheus tricked Zeus into choosing the worst of the two piles, consigning the gods to the bones, winning the meat for humanity. Zeus, his mind now like a black cloud bristling with bolts of lightning, retaliates by taking away fire, subjecting humanity to cold and dark. Once again, Prometheus plays the part of the hero, stealing fire back from Zeus and returning it to the mortal plane. He also thwarted Zeus's efforts to exterminate humanity. Armed with forewarning passed on by Prometheus, Deucalion, Prometheus's son, built a boat with his wife Pyrrha. Aboard this boat, they survived the storm that drowned the earth, nearly killing everyone. And not only that, they go on to repopulate the human race. Unfortunately for Prometheus, though, Championing humanity didn't work out as well as betraying the titans. Eventually, Zeus loses patience, chains him to a rock, and subjects him to endless torture in the form of a giant eagle that swoops in to devour his ever-regenerating liver each and every day. Taking up our last spot is Hyperion. Called the One on High and He Who Walks Above, Hyperion was one of the twelve first-generation titans born to the primordial deities Uranus, the personification of the sky, and to Gaia, the personification of the earth. His consort was Theia, called Far Shining, another of the twelve first-generation titans, and together they had three children, Selene, the moon, Helios, the sun, and Eos, the dawn. Of Hyperion's three children, Eos most followed in her father's footsteps in that she produced many of the other manifestations of the material world, including Boreas, the north wind, Notus, the south wind, Zephyr, the west wind, and all the stars in the sky, including Eosphorus, better known by his Latin name, Lucifer, the morning star. Hyperion was a solar deity, 
Thus, he was identified with his son, Helios, and later with Apollo. One thought is that Hyperion's original role was to oversee the cycle in which his children shined in the sky, orchestrating the continuous cyclical symphony of dawn, sun, and moon, constantly in motion. Like the other titans that fought against the Olympians during the Titanomachy, Hyperion was cast into the depths of Tartarus, the cavernous abyss beneath the earth. The only exception to this was Atlas, who was saddled with a special punishment, condemned to bear the vault of the heavens upon his shoulders for eternity. And that's it for this video. If you enjoy the content, please like the video and subscribe to the channel. As always, leave your video suggestions down below.